Innovation is not only a set of activities, but also an organizational mindset. And learning businesses are uniquely positioned to help foster external innovation in the field, industry, or profession they serve. I'm Salisa Steele. I'm Jeff Cobb, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Innovation is crucial to the continued success of any organization, and that's arguably truer for learning businesses than it is for many other types of organizations because of their focus on external learners and the field industry or profession that those learners serve. So in this episode, number 368, we want to unpack that assertion while also breaking innovation down. Because after all, innovation isn't monolithic and uniform. You probably wouldn't see so much writing and speaking about it if it were. Rather, innovation is variable and and nuanced. And that's what we want to dig into today with an eye specifically to external innovation in the context of learning businesses. So probably a good place to start is to attempt a definition of innovation. And I know where you're going to go with this. I'm going to go to its etymological root. And buried there in the root is this idea of newness, of creating something new or doing something in a new way. And in a business context, innovation involves conceiving, developing, delivering, and scaling new products, services, processes, business models uh, for your customers. So in, in short, there's just, there's a lot in innovation to be talked about. Well, right. Even in that sort of short explanation that innovation involves conceiving, developing, delivering, and scaling new products, services, processes, and business models, there's a lot packed into that. There's a who, customers. Um, there's a what, products and services. There's some how around processes and, and business models. And then I think there's also a focus on both imagination or ideation, right, the conceiving. But then there's also an emphasis on execution, developing, delivering, scaling. And I think that imagine ideation piece often gets a lot of focus. You know, it's, it's the stuff that sounds kind of sexy, you know, when you're talking about innovation. But that execution uh, piece is just so important. It often involves change management, um, embedding the the change, which is kind of like moving knowledge and skills from working memory, if we're talking in, you know, sort of our, our learning theory terms. So working memory, which can be limited and, and sort of endangered for the, the for the life of that new knowledge and skills, moving it from there into long-term memory, where it can be maintained and become part of the, the operations and the culture of an organization and also the the people an organization is trying to serve. Now, there are many flavors of innovation. Um, I think we can call out a few of the different spectra that you might think about innovation running along. So there is incremental innovation on one end, and then there is more transformational innovation. So on the incremental um, end, it might be sort of tweaking an existing process or product, improving it, but it's at that sort of smaller scale, smaller step level. 
at the transformational level, you know, maybe it's an entirely new approach to developing something or an entirely new product or service that you're imagining and, and innovating with. And in that incremental realm, we talked uh, for our kind of predictions for this year or where we saw things trending right now in the learning business about kind of innovation around the edges, you know, that there's a lot that can be done with what we already have to, to, to tweak it, to improve it, you know, to, to take it to new places. There's possibly less opportunity for transformational, but that doesn't mean that the opportunity is not there. You just got to dig deeper for it and, and find those transformational opportunities. So that's that's one flavor of innovation, the incremental to transformational spectrum. Another is simply fast to slow. Um, you know, in, in the sort of Silicon Valley tech world, there's this whole mantra around, you know, move fast and break things. I think that was the Facebook culture or whatever. And that was definitely talking about fast innovation. Let's, you know. That's the sort of a uh, fire, aim, ready. Yeah, or, or, whatever that old saying is. I think is. I got it quite wrong, but ready, yeah. fire, aim. <laughs> um, and obviously that has its upsides if you're, you know, really trying to kind of lead a market and, and get out there with the most innovative stuff. We see a lot of that going on with AI right now. It's a little scary with something like AI you know, how fast uh, innovation may happen there. But of course, most of what happened with AI was extremely slow. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's been happening for decades now, and we just sort of hit a, a tipping point with it. So innovation may be a very slow and methodical process as well that's embedded into the culture and, uh, you know, continues to happen over time. I think probably, you know, a company like Apple probably thinks of themselves in both uh, camps. They've really got that sort of slow innovation embedded into the culture. So they're going to do some of that incremental stuff well. But then obviously they've had those big tipping points where big innovations have really rocked the market. And I think in that fast area, that's where we tend to hear about or think about things like first mover advantage, mm -hmm. right? That there's this potential advantage. If you can move quickly and innovate quickly, you're going to be the first one doing whatever X is. And therefore that's going to give you some sort of competitive advantage is the argument anyway. And that sort of points to the the next flavor or the next sort of spectrum of uh, of innovation. Yeah, we wanted to talk about a spectrum that runs from reactionary to proactive. So on the reactionary end, this is where you are responding to some sort of stimuli or condition that that exists. And then on the proactive end, you're doing more to think about what could change or what might change in the future and, and laying some groundwork to innovate in that new context that might come to be. I think COVID is a great example of this where there was a lot of innovation that happened because of the pandemic. For many organizations, though, it was relatively reactionary. Definitely. They suddenly couldn't do things the way they had business as usual didn't work. So they had to innovate, but it was in a reactionary state. They were responding to this pandemic that had popped up. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked a lot about sort of market focused versus product focused in the past. And, you know, market focus tends to be reacting, responding to, to what you're hearing, seeing in the market, whereas proactive tends to be you're creating the the sort of products that are leading the, the market in, in the direction you want them to go. Both have their upsides and downsides. It's not a, a judgment on one being better than the, the other, but sort of knowing what your strategy is, what your plan is, is important. And then, of course, another flavor, and this is one we really want to spend a significant chunk of our time today on is just this idea of, of innovation can be more internal or it can be more external. So with internal innovation, the change 
is really in your learning business. So it might be a change to your organizational chart or the way that your teams are structured, or it might mean a new production process to improve efficiency around creating some of your products or services. And then external innovation is going to be, you know, improvements to products or services, for example, that directly impact your customers. So it might be that that new product line. It may even be sort of a, a, a new way of thinking that, that you're putting out there for your, your customers to kind of embrace as part of how they do business. But in general, you're thinking about not what's going on within your learning business, but what's going on out there in that field, industry, profession that you're serving and how are you innovating in that larger context that you're serving. And all organizations can have internal and external innovation. I think for learning businesses, we see an especially deep opportunity around external innovation because yes, all organizations are going to typically have products or services, but given the nature of the products and services that a learning business offers, they already have that external focus. They mm-hmm. already have that commitment to a particular profession or industry or field. And so really thinking about, okay, how do we help the people who are working in that field or industry get better, which is then going to, of course, improve that field and then improve society at large? Yeah. I mean, really, you know, how are we potentially going to create change for the better, help to actually pave the way to the, the future that we're seeing emerge in that field, profession, industry. And this is this is a big part of what we're talking about when we talk about the whole concept of leading learning, which obviously is, is central to, <laughs> to everything here. I mean, the podcast is, is based on that term. And it's that idea that you are helping to foster learning that's not just about maintaining the, the status quo, but is about evolution and adaptation within your field or industry. And I think it's a really important concept to have in mind because it's very easy to get sort of mired in, mired maybe too strong a word, but to, to, to be too wed to the established body of knowledge and skills and, and practices that your educational programming is probably designed to support and, and maintain. That's really sort of a conservative approach to education in, in the little C sense of, of the word. Like, you know, it, it's a good thing, but um, how do you think more progressively about where that field industry profession needs to go and, and how are you developing learning experiences that are, that are leading the way, that are helping to drive that, that necessary change? As someone who listens to the Leading Learning Podcast, you should know about the Leading Learning Newsletter, which you can subscribe to at leadinglearning.com slash inbox. The newsletter is inbox intelligence for learning businesses and helps you understand the latest technology, marketing, and learning trends and grow your learning business. Best of all, it's a free resource. As a subscriber, you'll get leading links, our monthly curated collection of resources to help you grow the reach, revenue, and impact of your learning business. The Podcast Digest, a monthly summary of podcast episodes released during the previous month, plus periodic announcements highlighting leading learning webinars and other educational opportunities designed to benefit learning business professionals. Subscribe for free at leadinglearning.com slash inbox. And if you're already subscribed, point a colleague to leadinglearning.com slash inbox. And of course, these different 
spectra of, of innovation that we've talked about, you know, incremental to transformational, fast to slow, reactionary to proactive, internal to external, these aren't mutually exclusive. And in fact, I think very often one type of innovation can drive another. I think it's very easy to imagine situations in which external innovation is going to drive some internal innovation as well in sort of a, a virtuous cycle as you have that vision of where the field or professional industry you serve needs to go that may have then implications for yeah how you structure your staff or how you build your products, for example. Yeah, we always see a lot of virtuous cycles in our work. I think we've uh, kind of referenced that in many situations. But here in particular, because you know innovation really points to change. You know, change is going to happen as a result of innovation and, and learning and change are just so closely connected. Um, typically, learning leads to change, whether that's in skills, knowledge, behavior, attitude, and change almost always requires learning adaptation in order to fully take advantage of the, the change and for that matter, to survive the change. We often talk about learning businesses having a role to play in improving whatever field, industry, or profession that they focus on. That's something we talk about a lot. We've already touched on it today. But the idea here is just to unpack that a little bit more, is that the better the learners are, then the better off the stakeholders they touch are going to be. So if we just take an example of something like a nurse, if your learning business helps make her a better nurse, then that's going to help the hospital that employs her. It's going to help the patients that she sees. It's going to help the family and friends of those patients. And it may even help the the patient's employers, for example. So you have sort of this ever-widening ring of impact that happens like those circles on, on water when you cast a stone. Definitely. I mean, we're always thinking about how are we going to have that positive impact on the learner? And I think most learning businesses are thinking by extension, how does that impact maybe the learner's employer? But it goes well beyond that into the, the broader organization and into society at large. I mean, we are doing, as learning businesses, even though nearly every learning business has to be at least sustainable and, and usually has to generate you know, a, a profit or at least a net positive uh, revenue, there's a mission aspect to, to all of this. And a uh, big part of that is how are we ultimately improving society through our work? And I think that learning as a process, not an event, that's another thing we like to return to frequently here. I think that's very consonant with innovation because innovation really, when it is humming along involves ongoing investment. It's not something that you can sort of sit down and decide on a Friday afternoon, okay, we're going to do some innovation. It's something that you really do have to bake into your culture and and have these ongoing supports for innovation. And I think at the core of that is, is really kind of thinking about yourself as a catalyst of innovation and you know, being being intentional about that. And we should note that sort of in the, the back of our minds, part of what spurred us to, to have this particular episode, this conversation right now, is that um, the ASAE, American Society of Association Executives, their research foundation recently put out a report called Becoming an Effective Innovation Catalyst. And that focuses on the um, opportunity that, that associations have to support external innovation, um, which they call a they call that industry-focused innovation. Uh, and of course, many associations have learning businesses, but really, you know, what the, re the report covers would apply to any sort of, of learning business. I think it really would apply to just about any sort of organization. They're talking about some very bread and butter aspects of innovation and, and really how to 
make that a part of what your organization does. Right. That report looks at how associations might help their industry profession or discipline effectively manage change and become more resilient to disruptors. So in particular, they were looking at things like COVID and the social justice movement that was reinvigorated with the killing of George Floyd. If your learning business is embedded in an association, and if you haven't checked out that report from the ASAE Research Foundation, we encourage you to take a look at that. But for now, let's talk a little bit about how external innovation happens. And the main points we want to make are that innovation is not only a set of activities, it really is also an organizational mindset. Yeah, I mean, it really does have to be something that you as an organization recognize as a, as a priority and that you're committed to being intentional about. We talked about, you know, reactive versus proactive uh, a little bit earlier here. And, and you always want to be in a position to be able to react effectively to whatever's going on in the environment. But I think if you're being intentional about innovation, you are going to have at least some ways in which you are being proactive about that. You're being strategic about that. You are thinking about yourself as leading learning in that, that market, that industry, that profession that you're serving. And I think that part of having that focus, that it being intentional about innovation, it gets to your culture. Mm-hmm. And so for us, and in the case of learning businesses, that means you need to have a strong learning culture. And that's, again, both that's internally within your organization. Everybody has to be committed to learning and developing their their capabilities to be effective learners. But it's also part of how you think about the audience that you serve, the the field, the profession, the the market that you serve. And and we've had past writings and and episodes around this idea of learning culture and along with that learning ecosystem and, you know, really – being a facilitator of the culture in the broader audience you're serving and being a facilitator, and I I think ASAE actually uses the word orchestrator of uh, learning ecosystem and the field profession industry that you're serving. And I would say too that the kinds of activities defined in the market insight matrix would also support external innovation. We've talked in a past episode about the market insight matrix and how to use that tool, but as a, a quick recap, essentially you're listening, tracking, and asking. And so if you're doing those kinds of things, that's going to help you be, yes, reactive in the case of um, what you might be hearing and listening to, but it's also going to offer you the opportunity to be proactive as well. And I'd say that's really true of all of the different types of tools that we offer. I mean, even something like, you know, the value ramp or the uh, the product va- value profile. Again, you're being intentional. You're, you're kind of looking at what you've got, and then you're thinking beyond that for the the opportunities that, that might be there. So, you know, as part of, of that internal culture, being in the habit of whether you're using, you know, the tools we've created and, and suggested, or you're using other tools, but being in the habit of having those kinds of analytic conversations uh, around what you already have and what's going on in the environment that you're working in. Right. And so listening, tracking, and asking are really important, but Critically, you then have to do something with what you learn from that listening, that tracking, and that asking. So you already mentioned being analytical. You you definitely have to analyze. And that often means categorizing, which that reminds me of a, a recent episode that we've had around taxonomy where Stephanie Lemieux was talking about that, you know, because 
getting clear on kind of what language are you hearing repeatedly as you're doing that listening, tracking, and asking, and that may give you some really important insight. And it also means getting in the habit of doing things like creating minimum viable products, uh, MVPs, that's come up a number of times in many conversations we've had. Doing prototyping, we're, we're doing a lot more work now in the Tagoras you know, consulting business around creating prototypes that we're then testing out in the market to, to get feedback on. So it's, you know, gives you that sort of data-informed approach to innovation. But just, you know, being willing to, to float things out there, to, to try things, uh, creating a new event, doing something like launching a podcast, uh, you know, just, just getting out there and, and being willing to, to take some calculated risk because innovation just generally requires that. Well, you know, you mentioned... Uh creating an event as, as an option. And, and I think related to that idea, one thing we should stress is that because of their tendency to focus on that particular profession, industry, or field, learning businesses are often really good conveners. They can bring together mm -hmm. diverse stakeholders that have a, a shared commonality that, that they all care about. And, and that ability to convene is a really, really valuable asset when it comes to innovation and particularly external innovation. And I think part of convening too, or part of that sort of outreach that uh, learning businesses often have can be with partners. Uh, there's a, a lot of opportunity for partner-driven work in an area like innovation, because you're often getting into areas where you don't necessarily have the core skills and expertise, but you're seeing the need out there. You're seeing the emerging challenge or opportunity and capitalizing on relationships with partners can be one of the, the ways that you're able to, to take action around innovation. And at kind of the, the far end of, of that taking action with others is, is the example of grand challenges. And we've had some past episodes where we've talked about grand challenges with Seth Kahn, with uh, Marla Weston of the American Nurses Association. Um, I think you talked with someone from the XPRIZE. And so there's this idea of there can be really hairy problems, the sort of more intractable kind of problems, big picture problems, climate change, mental health where you know, any single organization isn't going to be able to, to solve it readily, but by convening others and uniting around a particular issue, a lot can be done. And learning businesses are well positioned to be one of those players, to maybe even be that partner that does the convening work. Yeah. And I think the final point to, to make here, I mean, we've been talking about partners, we've been talking about um, convening. A big reason for those things is that Innovation tends to benefit from a diversity of perspectives. I think there's, you know, always this idea of sort of the lone inventor, you know, the, the Thomas Edison or somebody light bulb going off type thing as the driver of innovation. And, and certainly, you know, there's a there's a role for that in innovation. But usually, even when there's that light bulb moment for that single person, it's because they've been in dialogue with so many other people and have had so many perspectives that have informed their thinking. So. Being able to orchestrate those perspectives and, you know, we know diversity of perspectives is important in learning experiences in, in general. And uh, there's certainly a, a lot of overlap between innovation and learning. So we've talked a little bit about what innovation is. We've talked about different flavors of innovation. We've talked about what it takes to uh, be able to innovate. And I think now we should talk a little bit about the value of innovation and I think one of the things that I would like to put out there is that I don't think that the value or the direct results of innovation are always going to be clear. 
from the get-go. In fact, I think they probably shouldn't be clear from the get-go. If you have too tight a focus on what you're hoping to get out of any innovation-related endeavor, then I think it could actually limit what might come out of it. And so I think this gets back to what we touched on a little bit before, that innovation, like learning, is a process, not an event. So it shouldn't be too tightly focused on, let's get a new product or let's get a new improved production process out there. It really needs to be more about, let's do that listening and let's find out what we need to do that it's going to help us either react or proactively move the needle in the industry field or profession that we serve. Yeah, I think it's a process. It's a, it's an emergent process because, mm-hmm. I mean, we've, we've stressed uh, listening, asking, things like that along the way here. And like you're saying, if you're if you're too set on what the outcome is supposed to be, then it's, it's probably not innovation in the first place. <laughs> if you if you know if you already know the outcome, so you do have to be open to what emerges, and you, and you have to set yourself up. And it, and again, it you know same thing with learning. I mean, in learning, it's often much clearer what you're trying to learn, where you're trying to get. But if you're not sort of open to learning and to what can emerge in the process, you're you're not going to get the full benefit out of it. And I think just being intentional about innovation, making it part of your culture, um, really embedding it in what you do day in and day out. Yes, hopefully you're you're going to achieve those concrete goals out of it, but just just doing that is going to open up so many opportunities and I think so many areas that can help to improve your business. So just really making innovation a, a part of the culture. Innovation is not only a set of activities, but also an organizational mindset. And learning businesses are uniquely positioned to help foster external innovation in the field, industry, or profession they serve. At leadinglearning.com slash episode 368, you'll find show notes, a full transcript, other resources, and options for subscribing to the podcast if you're not already subscribed. We'd be grateful if you would take a minute to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, especially if you enjoy the show. Jeff and I personally appreciate reviews and ratings, and they help the podcast show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. And please spread the word about leading learning. You can do that in a one-on-one note or conversation with a colleague, or you can do it through social media. In the show notes at leadinglearning.com slash episode 368, you'll find links to connect with us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. Podcast.